Dr. Jackson, welcome. First of all, I'd like to get a little bit about your background. Where do you come from as far as being involved in making your way to the Department of Military and Veterans Affairs? Uh, That's a complicated story. Uh, Originally, I started off working in Philadelphia. Um, I graduated from Jefferson Medical College, did residency at the Mercy Hospitals in the Philadelphia Darby area. Um, I started working in nursing homes in 1993. Uh, It was a good experience. Um, I liked working with senior citizens. Uh, You learn a lot from them. They have a lot of experience that we can learn things from. And I've always been that way most of my life, where I like to sit down with senior citizens and listen to their stories. Um, After working in Philadelphia in several different nursing homes, I was invited to join the state veterans home in northeast Philadelphia called Delaware Valley Veterans Home. Um, That's right off of Route 1, uh, Roosevelt Boulevard. And I worked there for about seven years. And after working there for seven years, uh, I ended up uh, being transferred or invited to come to headquarters to be what they called the Chief of Clinical Services in 2010. Uh, In 2010, I did that position and those duties for about a year. Uh, I left for about six months, I mean, correction, six years, went and worked for a nursing home corporation called uh, Genesis. Uh, A lot of you may know Genesis because uh, they were, at one time, the largest nursing home corporation in the country. Uh, Worked for them for six years, was looking for another opportunity, and about two years ago, I left them to come back to be the chief uh, medical officer at Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. Well, that does sound like a very interesting way to get to where you are now. And obviously, you've been able to bring with you a whole host of information. And I enjoy the fact that you say that you like working with the elderly because they can teach you so much. So in this travel from your very beginning to where you are now, what would you say would be the biggest thing that someone or maybe a group of these seniors have imparted to you that you were able to use now that you're in this position with the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Military and Veterans Affairs? Because I guess you'd not only worked with veterans, but you were also just working with non-veterans as well. Yes, that's right. I guess the best thing that they imparted to me is that they all have uh, life stories that make them who they are. Uh, the thing I like the best about veterans is that they've all made the ultimate sacrifice of putting themselves in harm's way in order to protect our country and the rest of us citizens. Um, it humbles me because I've always sacrificed most of my life to try to pro- to provide the best care I can to senior citizens. So for someone to put their life in harm's way in order to protect my rights, it's it's very, very humbling. Um, What I learned from other senior citizens who aren't veterans is that they also have a story to to tell. A lot of them have lived through some unusual times. Uh, I really like talking to them about the Depression and how hard things were during the Depression eras and how they survived, you know, through that that time. Um, It taught me that, you know, you should never give up. You should keep, you know, pushing and that sooner or later things will turn out, you know, to the best. 
love those optimistic seniors <laughs> because they're at the they're at the point now where they can look back and say I made it through this that the other thing and now we have this whole generation of young people that are starting to come up and saying it's so difficult and it's just interesting when you have that kind of transition across all those different years and as you said veterans they do and they have given so much and and so many of them have seen so much sacrifice. And do you find, Dr. Jackson, now that um, when you're talking with these veterans, because there are still some veterans who you probably have dealings with that we're not talking Afghanistan or Iraq, we're still talking World War II, the Korean War. So there must be quite a lot of stories and a lot of, of generational gaps that appear between one group of veterans and another. Yeah, that's true. Um, living through the, those various wars for the veterans, they, they segregate a little bit themselves. They, they respect each other because they know that they've all, you know, made the ultimate sac- or have made a sacrifice, a significant sacrifice, um, putting themselves in harm's way. Um, you're right. There is a cultural change between each of the veterans, depending on which war they participated in. The World War II veterans, of course, they call that the you know the war to end all wars, and of course, um, they all got a lot of uh, recognition for their participation in that war, while. The Vietnam conflict was a, a different situation. The veterans didn't get all the uh, accolades that they deserved after being in that situation until almost 20 years later. And now we see that, especially with us recognizing uh, the effects that it's had on them from being exposed to Agent Orange and some of the other chemicals that were used during that war. Um, they all have real interesting stories Um they were different conflicts, and of course, you know, the wars were fought differently, but they will all sit down and talk to you. That's the best way to get a veteran to open up to you is to have them tell you about the stories and their friends, uh, because it's really a good exposure for for individuals who haven't lived through those type of times to see how lucky we are to not have to, you know, go into harm's way in order to, you know, protect our rights. And here in Pennsylvania, we are fortunate that we all have six veterans' homes throughout the state, from Philadelphia, as you mentioned, Delaware Valley, the uh, Holidaysburg in Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania Soldiers and Sailors Home in Erie, Southern Veterans Center, Spring City, out in Pittsburgh, it's the Southwestern Veterans Center, and here in the immediate northeastern Pennsylvania area, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, Hazleton, we have the Gino Murley Veterans Center, and we have talked with so many people that go in and they volunteer, but there are a lot of things about these veterans' homes that people don't know, and one of them is, especially when we talk about patients who are veterans and who have Alzheimer's. Can you give us a little bit about what's going on as far as the resources that are available in these veterans' homes, especially with the Alzheimer's patients? Yes. Um you're right. We do have uh, Alzheimer units. They're not really called Alzheimer units. They're called uh, 
secure units at our buildings. We do have um, specific units for those patients that have dementia. And uh, the good part about that is that we have a lot of staff that's been trained to deal with residents with uh, dementia, whether it's Alzheimer's, whether it's related to strokes, whether it's related to Parkinson's disease. And we keep training them over and over again to make sure that they know how to deal with the veterans in a way that is conducive to them having a good quality of life. Um, Besides the extra training that we give, we have a lot of activities that come into our buildings, both through uh, the veterans' organizations and also from other volunteers. Um, That's the biggest difference that I had noticed at the veterans' homes that I didn't see at the private homes. They don't have that large volunteer population that comes in and interacts with the veterans and provides other additional, you know, activities for them. They'll do things like they'll do Super Bowl parties. They'll do baseball parties where they bring in pizzas and, and other foods, whether it's the veterans with dementia or the veterans with, um, you know, uh, physical needs. And the veterans love it, especially interacting with other veterans because they have a lot in common because they've all sort of live the same life, you know, whether they're in Philadelphia or whether they're from, you know, the Scranton region, Wilkes-Barre region. Um, Other than a volunteer program, there there is also a standard activities program that we have, and we spend a lot of time trying to take veterans out on events, even our demented veterans. We take them to, like, baseball games, basketball games, football games. We take them to all that stuff. And so we throw them all on a, you know, big bus, sometimes two buses, and take them down to different, you know, activities like that because they get a lot of pre- uh, pleasure out of that. And when you go to other uh, nursing homes, they really don't have the resources to do those type of things, or at least that's what they say. While we at our veterans' homes, we try to make sure that we have those resources to give them the best activities that they can have, whether they're Alzheimer's demented veterans or whether or not they're veterans that need uh, skilled nursing care. Well, I have to give a shout out to one of our great local groups that we have here. I don't know whether you're familiar with the Northeastern Pennsylvania chapter of Rolling Thunder, but every July they always do a big motorcycle get-together outside of the Geno Murley Veterans Center, and it wasn't that long ago that uh, they appeared here on our program where we were talking about they get together and uh, volunteer for Christmas, and we learned about how they go and they bring gifts to the veterans and spend part of Christmas Day. So I'm not familiar with a lot of the other the other nursing uh, veterans homes that we've been talking about here this morning, but I'm assuming that you also have great support from the volunteers in all of these different communities as well for things like that. Yes, um, the volunteers actually help out around the holidays to help make sure that the veterans have a good holiday, especially since they're in a veteran's homes. Um, usually either the veterans associations or veterans organizations or even the armories actually send over veterans to sort of adopt those veterans for a day around Christmas and find out what kind of gift they would like and they you know, bring gifts to those veterans, especially the ones that don't have families that are visiting on a regular basis. So, of course, you know, it makes them feel good that somebody cares about them, especially another, you know, veteran that's been through, that's younger, you know, but has been through some of the experiences that they have had. 
I was going to say, what type of an age range, because I, I mentioned before we were talking about from World War II up to present, and sometimes, um, the, sometimes the veterans might not necessarily be on in years just because of the circumstances. Is that possible in some of these areas? Recently, even at uh, Gino Murley, we had a resident who was there who was in his late 30s. He had had a brain injury, and he came from one of the Federal uh, Veterans Administration Medical Centers, and uh, we had him with us for about six months to a year. He actually significantly improved, and we got him out to a less restrictive environment where he can you know, go out a little bit more. But, yeah, you're right. We are seeing... Uh, younger and younger uh, veterans due to, you know, the recent wars. Um, they're not the predominant population that we see right now. Um, usually our age range starts around mid-50s and goes up to um, hundreds. We have uh, a handful of residents in each of our buildings that's usually around 100 years old. And we make a big deal about that. Our secretary of our department, which is a uh, General Corelli comes down every time they have a uh, resident who's uh, over 100, and they have a big party for them, which is really a good activity, and all the residents really like that. Dr. Jackson, since we've been talking about the um, Department of Military and Veterans Affairs here in the state of Pennsylvania, and you've been giving us a little bit of a more insight than a lot of people may normally get on the veterans' homes, what else would you like us to know about them, aside from the secure memory care units and, and the volunteers and the wealth of information that these veterans are in all of these communities that we mentioned? Anything specific that may be from your background, from your interaction with them, that you'd like to share with our audience that maybe we otherwise might not ever know about? Yes. Um, as you said, we have uh, veterans' homes in six regions throughout the state, and we're here to care for Pennsylvania veterans um, as best as possible. I mean, we want to give them the best care they could possibly have. And so we actually have some personal care units that are in certain regions. Um, the Altoona, Hollidaysburg region has a personal care. There's a personal care up towards Erie, and then there's another one that's down towards Spring City. And the reason for that is because in certain areas we have um, a need for that type of care. Uh, part of the problem is that we're now getting a lot of residents who are at the end of life Families kept them at home as long as possible, and they want to get them into one of our homes because they can't, you know, do it anymore. Um, one of the other things that um, we want to bring to your attention is that we're looking at expanding services to include adult daycare. And the first adult daycare we're going to open is going to be in the Spring City, Limerick area at our Southeast Veterans Center. But we're also uh, looking at expanding that service to all six of our uh, veterans' homes because we realize that a lot of families are keeping their family member at home, but they need help for like a couple hours while they go out, you know, to do some shopping or some basic, you know, needs, go to the bank or, you know, or if the family member has to go to work for eight hours and they need somebody to watch their their family member for, you know, eight, 
10 hours until they can get home from work. We're, we're looking at providing all those services to basically help both the veterans and their families so that the veterans can stay at home as long as possible. And then, you know, we have the nursing homes, of the veterans homes available for when they get to that point where they can't stay at home any longer. That is an absolutely wonderful service. Absolutely wonderful. I know there have been some uh, different county organizations that have had those in the past years, but to expand that to the veterans' homes, that is that is just amazing. Dr. Jackson, if anyone would like to volunteer, would you say that they should just contact the home in their area and yes. uh, be able to, you know, just tell them what they would like to do and and then go from there? How should they approach that? Well, if they're in the Scranton area, they should uh, either contact Sarah Butler or uh, Dolores Davis up in Scranton. Dolores' number in Scranton is uh, 570-961-4380. And then uh, Sarah Butler's number, who's in charge of admissions up in Scranton, her phone number is 570-961-4348. The numbers for the rest of the homes, they should just contact the home and ask for either the admissions coordinator or for the volunteer coordinator. Uh, we have volunteer coordinators at all of our facilities so that when people want to volunteer and, you know, help out with veterans that we're able to coordinate that and figure out when's the best time to have them come in with assistance, you know, that, to just help out with the veterans. And we certainly hope that the next time you're making a trip up to the Geno Murley Veterans Center in Scranton, that you'll stop by and visit with us. Yes, we will. Oh, also, if they want to contact the homes, there's a website. It's uh, www.veteranshomes.pa.gov. 